praise God, saints. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So uh, here we are. Well, look at all these cheesy smiles. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, as you know, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ here. We all have our calling in the Lord. None of us really here are professional. Well, actually, no, Pastor Steve might be a professional presenter. But none of us, none of the rest of us are professional presenters. But we are here to bring you the anointing of the Lord. This is First Century Christ Church International Divinity College. I always catch Pastor C with something that you don't know is coming. But um, y'all don't know, but I went through a page. She has singing career. She is a comedy career. She she skilled, skilled. Praise the Lord. But we Stop. are here. Stop. <laughs> we are here for the Lord. Praise God. And we see Faith Spirit is out there right now. Praise God. Welcome. Welcome. That's my son both spiritually and physically. God bless you too, son. Um, and, and people are jumping on now. If you are a if you are a student in First Century Christ Church International uh, Divinity College, please uh, just put present or put here so that we know you're here. Uh, we get to see the viewers, but we don't know exactly who's here. Praise the Lord. That's right. Skilled. That's what I put up there. Skilled. Amen. And God bless you. Jason is also here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And um uh, Lauren is here. Praise God, prophetess. Praise God. Okay, right. So we just getting in with fire. So saints, this is lesson six. Um, we do two sessions a week for each lesson. This is First Century Christ Church International Divinity College. Those of you who are auditing, meaning you're not actively part of the school, but somehow you've caught view of this uh, video, know that you can join the school uh, just by sending an email to FCCC. I, that's three C's, so F-C-C-C-I dot D-C at gmail.com, and then we will be ready to uh, just say I, I request enrollment, and we'll be ready to process you to be enrolled in the school. This is a school that offers a diploma in Bible Institute. It then also offers two associates, one at the end of the second year, one at the end of the third year, and it also offers a bachelor's in divinity at the end of the fourth year. If, again, accreditation is something that you seek, state accreditation, we have an affiliation with Life College through Bishop Bernie Wade, and uh, somewhere in your second or third year, we'll make arrangements for you to take classes at Life that would be supplemental to the classes you're taking at First Century. And so between the combination of First Century, Christ Church International Divinity College and Life College, um, Life College would then give you a bachelor's in divinity that is uh, state uh, state uh, registered or state authorized. If the knowledge is all you seek, you could complete your coursework completely here. Um, and we expect that many of you do seek just the knowledge. So we expect many of you will seek your coursework completely here. But again, anyone interested in state accreditation can get it. Um, this is lesson six. If you're interested in the previous lessons, you can go on YouTube. We have a YouTube page. And on that YouTube page, you can get all the other lessons that have been done before this one. We are currently in the book of Genesis. So we're going to open up with the word of prayer, and then I'll introduce those uh, of the moderators and professors on our panel, and we'll begin. Praise the Lord. Father, Lord, in the name of your son, Christ Yeshua, we thank you for your mercy, your kindness, and your grace. We thank you for this time. Father, we pray against presentation mode. We pray against fakeness. We pray against every absence of authenticity. We pray against pulling data out of the file cabinets of our mind. We pray for a movement of the Holy Spirit here. Examine our hearts and our minds. If you find any iniquity in us, my God, we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you expose it to us, that we might have a teshuva heart, a heart that would repent in every way 
in sackcloth and ashes and in, in, in a spirit of submission in the heart to turn around and to go in another direction, the direction that you have ordained. Father, we need clarity in the spirit here. We need brokenness in the spirit here because we don't want to just do this to do it. Anybody could read these books and read these chapters, but we're not here just to read the chapters. We're asking for you to be here. We want to be blessed by your presence, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to be blessed by your presence, that you be here right now to direct and order our steps, that you be here right now to lead, lead us forward. And so if there's any part of us that is an offense to you, Father, we plead the blood of Jesus. We plead the sanctifying blood of Jesus, my Lord, right now in the name of Christ Yeshua. We ask for your mercy, Lord. We ask for your presence. We hollow your name. We declare you most holy. We pray that you shut down the movement of the enemy, that you shut down every principality, that any principalities in Maryland trying to attack Ernest, I pray right now in the name of Christ Yeshua that they be stilled and stopped, that we have a moment in divine consciousness, not afflicted in any way by demonic spirits. I pray, Father God, against any principalities in Philadelphia that might attack Pastor C, my Lord. I pray that you protect her mind and her heart and her atmosphere, that she might be able to flow in the fullness of the anointing. I pray against every anxiety, fear, worry, distraction, everything that the enemy might try to throw into the atmosphere to shut her down, my Lord. And I pray for myself here in New York that she might abate every principality my Lord, that won't try to hinder me from being able to release whatever you have to release here today. I pray against any arrogance or conceit. I pray against any human consciousness that might try to interject a point. My Lord, may it all come by way of your Holy Spirit. And for the listeners, my God, and for the would-be listeners, no matter where they are in the world, I pray that you shut down the demonic princes that rule over those regions so that whatever seeds are planted, that they might not be stolen, but give them a fertile heart that they might receive, soften their heart that they might be released into the glory. And Father, if there's anything I neglected to pray for, I pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit that you give us insight so that we might groan and moan and yearn in the spirit to have these prayers that we didn't ask for be asked for may the spirit intercede for us right now father and pray for the things we know not to pray for but absolutely need for sometimes our mind isn't always focused on exactly what's relevant in the moment we're conscious of many physical things but still struggling to be perfectly conscious in spiritual things so father Please see these things in our behalf. Please give us favor. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And guys, before I run into any real serious problems here, we also have Pastor Jennifer Britt monitoring the chat line. So if you're typing in anything on the Facebook we are seeing, even though we're interfacing with you through BeLive, and Pastor Jennifer is either enlightening us on the fact that we need to address something, or she's addressing it herself on that end. So even though you don't see her here physically, she's an active part of what God is doing in the moment. Praise the Lord. And so, saints, um, we, we, that's a mouthful, but this is all recorded, so you can always replay any section that you didn't get any information or you didn't, weren't able to absorb the information at the time. But we're going to start, and rightfully so, to allow Pastor C to introduce herself to you all. 
And uh, before she does, I'll let you know that we encountered her as she wanted to enter the school with her husband. And we're like, enter the school. You're going to not only be in the school with me in the school, we're going to be teaching in the school together. And that's another thing about us. If we see an anointing in you, we're going to help you bring it forward. Nobody starts from zero. Everybody has a place in the Lord. And she's the pastor or half of the pastoral ship of the Church of Philadelphia. Go ahead, Pastor, see if you can introduce yourself and give a little background. Hey, everybody. I'm Pastor C from the Church Philly. I am co-pastor with my amazing husband, Pastor Anthony Kemp, and we um, pastor this amazing spirit-led church because it's not our church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit is the leader of that church, and we are just good stewards under the good shepherd um, because that's the only way that we can be shepherds is by under being under the good shepherd. So that's what the church Philly is. It's just a spirit led church. And we have come into relationship and community with apostle, um, William and his, uh, wife, pastor Jen. And we're just so thankful that God even saw fit to bring us together in relationship. Um, that is real, that is authentic, that is transparent and that is growing in him. And so, and, and in that relationship, he allows us to be a part of this school. So <laughs> y'all know I'm not, I'm not um, a bragger. So I'm just going to leave that there. I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity like you all to get all this wisdom and understanding that is attached to love um, from the apostle. And so this wisdom is not separated from God's anointing, God's fresh living power. Um, and that comes from a place of love, understanding, and experience um, from the apostle. So I do want y'all to get that. He's not fake. He's not phony. He's always transparent where how some of these scriptures in this word um, is connected to experiences. And so I thank God for that. Um, and I also thank God for Ernest, who um, we met at the church Philly, um, our first grand opening. And he has been amazing, you know, just ever since just loving on us being active in our bible studies in our in our lives and he's always um very transparent and very attentive to what's going on you know and so i just love him i see the anointing and the grace that god has over his life to do amazing things and so i'm just happy to be a part of this praise the lord and, and the next person that's also working with us as a moderator. And for those of you who are new to the school, understand we don't consider ourselves professors. Professor implies expert and no one's an expert on the Bible. The day you become an expert on the Bible, you become God himself. So we consider ourselves moderators and we are mentors. So as mentors and moderators, we're here teaching and educating and illuminating points. And so we're here sort of moderating the movement of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who want to be more interactive, we do have a Wednesday version of this session, which is by Zoom. Again, inbox us and we will begin to hook you up with that. The next person I want to introduce is Ernest. And you know, Ernest really right at this moment is not asserting a title, but people have called him an apostle, and I believe it to be true. He carries a very strong apostolic anointing, and me and him are kind of like a, a Barnabas and Paul kind of doing this together, Barnabas and Silas. When it's, I mean, you know, we're just working together arm in arm in this ministry movement, and so uh, don't, don't underestimate the gifting on this man of God, even though I'm going to introduce him as Ernest Jones. He has a very strong apostolic anointing. Ernest, if you could share whatever you feel in your spirit to share before we get started.
Amen. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? Okay. Amen, guys. Uh, welcome, welcome to uh, First Century Church Christ. Did I say it right? First Century Church Christ. First Century Christ Church <laughs> Divinity College. Uh, First Century Christ Church International Divinity College. Um, my name is Ernest Jones. Um, me and Apostle have been walking together for about seven years now. Uh, we just started. It was supposed to be a Bible study. He sat down. He mapped it out and said, hey, I want to turn this into a college. And uh, here we are. Um, I, uh, as Pastor C stated, I was able to attend their uh, their first service last year, December 7th. And that has led to a, a beautiful fellowship with them. Even uh, just early this morning, 145, about 12 hours ago, me and Pastor AK were actually on a live Instagram uh, praying for the souls and the saints and uh, just reaching out. And it was it was just that brother's relationship with the Lord is, uh, is amazing. He said, man, the Lord want me to do an altar call. Somebody joined his church right there on the spot, on the live. I, I'd never seen anything like that. So I was so, so amazed um, by that. So that's just, that just gives you a little bit of background of how we've been walking together in this season. So, um, you know, as, as uh, Apostle said, you know, I, I'm kind of, these two heavyweights here kind of, kind of really bring the, bring the thunder. And, uh, you know, if there's, if there's anything left, I try to, I try to scrape it off the ground and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a come, I'm a come with something, but, um, it's been a blessing to be on this panel because I'm doing a lot of learning. I've really been able to do a lot of learning, um, which is good. And it's actually, uh, helping bring help bringing me closer to the Lord. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Praise the Lord, Saint. Um, I wanted to just um, let the panelists know um, I'm I'm actually in the background here, controlling the mute to kind of reduce the background noise. So just realize that I, I'm you might not have to control the mute on your end because I'm I'm actually controlling on this end. But praise God, Saints. You hear a lot of us speaking positively about each other, and while that is a love, I want to emphasize it is not a it's not a political love. We haven't formed any bond with the church Philly that causes me to affirm her. I haven't formed any bond with Ernest that causes me to affirm him. We recognize the anointing in each other's life. We recognize the movement of God in the school and we're working together to bring it forth. And if at any point it ceases to be about God, trust me, myself, Ernest, and Pastor C will either bring correction to it or disband it. <laughs> it's just the way it is. We are here about Christ. We've had enough hobnobbing going on in the kingdom of God. This is about righteousness and holiness in Christ. So um, for anybody that has been following the class um, and, and, and not been totally inundated, but just sort of been following the videos, you might have noticed that we're really not moving that fast through the word. And if you did your timeline analysis, you'd be like, we will never finish the Bible. You guys been in Genesis for six weeks. The reason why we're in Genesis for six weeks is one reason is because it's the seed of everything else that moves past it. And then if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the YouTube page and watch the earlier sessions. Second, a lot of students are joining and we're giving them a chance to catch up. So expect that in semester two, things are going to ramp up because we're going to have to pull out through the Bible in the year. There are two other books that we're going to be using this semester. One of, I mean, this, this year, not, not just this semester. And one of them is called Training for Service, a student book, okay? And Through the Bible in a Year, okay? 
This is done by Alan B. Stringfellow. Um, the ISBN numbers are very easy to find inside the different texts that you might find for the school. If my wife has the chance, she'll put the ISBN numbers there for some of you who haven't seen it. And so that you can order those books. You will need them starting in the second semester. There will be Bible reading and there will be sections of those books that you have to read. The first year is the Institute year. So this is where we're going to do a Bible survey from Genesis to Revelations, a great way to fill in the gaps you have in understanding the word of God. Um, we were recently talking about this in the in one of our other Bible study groups, not necessarily the college. We were talking about the fact that Gentile disciples tend to learn what you call um, um, a covenant systematic theology. And what we wanted to emphasize here is that we are going to teach you covenant the systematic theology because you need to know it to interact with the Christian realm of those claiming Christ through a Gentile background. However, for Messianic Jews, they don't look at it from a uh, covenant theological perspective. They look at it from a Messianic theological perspective, which is why they start talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the nation of Israel, Moses, King David, and then Jesus. They're, they're, they're focusing on messianic theology. And the difference between covenant theology is it focuses on the type of dispensation and messianic theology simply works off of this simple premise. A individual, okay, will become the deliverer of a body of people. So it's not the righteousness of each person that gets them saved. It's the righteousness of one person, an individual, who functions in this role of Messiah and a body of people come in under the covering of that one individual. Okay, praise the Lord. As, as Apostle Paul said, through, through one man, sin entered the world, and through one man, sin leaves the world. So Messianic theology teaches the judicial mindset of God, and that's very, very important to understand, the judicial mindset of God. And we learned that in Genesis, there was really no need for a Messiah until Genesis chapter 3, when man fell from grace, and God gave a prophecy to Satan saying, listen, I am going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. The people, when Moses wrote that, we don't know whether he knew, but we know the people in general didn't know. He was actually beginning the revelation of messianic theology. And so the next messianic carrier, okay, the mess, messianic leader was Noah. God couldn't wipe out all of mankind because of the promise, so he picked Noah and declared him righteous in his time. And then the next messianic deliverer was Abraham, okay? And so we've been covering that from Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, and we got all the way through Abraham. And then Abraham passes on this messianic deliverance to Isaac. And now for those of you who are not aware, we are now currently in we had it up here. Let me see if I can call it back. Yes, we are currently in these chapters. We're in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 through 28, verse 9. Now, 
since we are now looking at messianic theology at some point during the year you will get into covenant theology so that you're not learning even though i want to make this clear we're teaching you the truth but we don't want to teach you the truth in such a way where you can't relate to other christians so we're teaching you restoration christianity which is restoring the truth of the apostles teachings but we're teaching also the understanding that most Christians have today so that you can understand the two and you can help people who might otherwise have been miseducated how to become educated in the proper understanding of scripture. So um, right now we're focusing on messianic theology, but realize semesters are coming up where we will cover covenant theology. And for those of you who do understand covenant theology, understand that at this point we're in the patriarchal covenant. Noah was a patriarch type. Abraham was directly declared a patriarch. And we're going to talk about Isaac today, who is also a patriarch. Once you understand these foundations, actually moving through the rest of the Bible is going to be pretty smooth once you get these foundations in place. So for we left off dealing with Abraham and verse 25, ending in verse 18, the death of Abraham. So I'm going to relent now to Pastor C and Ernest, if they feel in the spirit something that needs to be covered to lead us up to where we are today as far as a review. I don't have anything. I feel like you covered our review well, so I don't have anything to add on the review part. Praise God. So Ernest saves me from having to unmute him. Praise God. Amen. So he's saying thumbs up. So uh, for those of you who feel like that review might have been a little bit skimpy, go to the YouTube page, watch lessons one, two, three, four, and five, and then um, you'll be up to where we are here. But each lesson is designed to edify you. So don't feel bad if you haven't seen the previous lessons. You can still be edified in what's here and whatever we cover today. So we're in Genesis, we're in Genesis chapter 25, and we're picking up in the 18th verse. The story of Jacob and Esau. And of course, for me, clearly this story begins with one basic revelation that God held back Abraham and Sarah from having a child. Okay. And it does appear that God held back Isaac and Rebekah from having a child. Now, those of you might not know this, but in Judaism, the idea of a barren woman giving birth to a child is considered miraculous. It's a custom amongst Judaism that if a woman leaves her childbearing years or struggles with bearing a child and then through a petition to God is then blessed with the child, that that child has a special calling. So we can see God laying foundations for Jesus. And I'm going to digress briefly again for a moment to give you this point. Um, you might hear me say Yeshua. You might hear me say Jesus. The reason why I use them interchangeably is not because I'm confused. It's because I don't want you to get caught up in thinking that we're uh, a divine name ministry and that you've got to say Yeshua in order to be referring to Jesus. So I use them interchangeably to make allow people to know that they're interchangeable. In the English language, a translation is not a transliteration. It was an attempt at a transliteration, but it failed. So we consider it a translation of the name Yeshua, the Hebrew name of Christ, is Jesus. So just so you understand that, that's where I'm coming from there. But God is spending a lot of time sowing deep roots in understanding Messianic theology. He tells Abraham, he, he tells Satan that 
the, the seed, he, he is singular. So he says, he will crush your head. So that means a single person who is an heir of a woman is going to be the destructor, the destroyer of Satan's works. Okay. Now he calls Abraham, right? And when he calls Abraham, Abraham is not bearing a son. Sarah leaves childbearing years. And then guess what? Bears a son. Okay. So they're setting the stage even for Mary bearing this miracle child. And so the Jews now, here's where wisdom comes in. And if you haven't seen the orientation, you know that I've emphasized that we're not going to pick up Christianity from the second or third century. We're going to pick up Christianity from the beginning. And we're going to work all the way through. Makes all the difference in the world. That the key point here is that the Jews were established to understand Messiah. Because they were established to understand Messianic theology. And since they were established to do so, when you cut off understanding of Judaic heritage, you cut off a lot of the richness of prophecy. Because even in Abraham giving birth to Isaac, it was part of a prophetic typology. Isaac giving birth to Jacob and Esau was symbolic of a prophetic typology. Okay? And so, and by the way, in Judaism, it is true that they actually refer to the men as if they gave birth. You sisters are like, yeah, y'all ain't give birth to nothing. We, we did all the pain and suffering, but it is a Jewish custom that the man gets credit for giving the birth. So sisters don't be like, oh, I don't remember no man having a baby. It, it's, a, it's a custom in Judaism. So you will learn in this school relevant Jewish customs, not so that you can walk around doing Jewish practices though you may choose to, that's your choice, but so that you understand the richness of messianic deliverance. So two child children are in the belly and they're jostling one another. Jacob's already started, right? Jacob started, Jacob started at, at conception. He's like, Esau, you ain't gonna be the one. Now in Judaic custom, the firstborn is the heir of all. And this custom went all the way back to Abraham. It was a, a standing custom. Again, messianic theology, the firstborn, the only begotten son, receives the complete inheritance of the father. Wisdom. When Christ called Yeshua, when Christ called Hashem, Abba, father, the Pharisees were upset. Why? Because they said he called God his father, making him equal to God. In our Gentile understanding, we would not have drew that conclusion. But the Pharisees did. It's also interesting that the first century Christians didn't have any struggle with the Trinity doctrine either because the first century Jews already had a proper orientation to the understanding of the role of the son to the father, especially the firstborn son, okay? So here, Jacob and Esau are wrestling inside the womb because the child of promise is Jacob, but the child of birth is Esau. Now that can preach all day. Amen. That can preach all day. Okay. But they're jostling in the womb and Rebecca steps up to the Lord. And it's very powerful. Pastor C brought this up on the Wednesday session. She didn't go to her husband. She went to God. Okay. Telling you that Rebecca had a relationship with God, trusted in God, had faith in God. Amen. She went to God and God told her, and I'm going to read what I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it from the 23rd verse of the book of Genesis. I'm reading in a translation that would read it in more in a more common English. Please just bear with it. There's no conflicts in this particular scripture. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. 
one, pe one people will be stronger than the other and the elder will serve the younger. Operating contrary to custom, okay? And it says, when the time came to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And of course, Esau came out first. So I'm going to stop there. We're in set chapter 25. I'm going to allow uh, Pastor C to, to give revelation on chapter 25 of, of Genesis as she sees fit. Um, yeah, so my, my, my biggest um, pulling from all of that, um, some of the things that um, Apostle really, really taught on, um, and I think that was interesting, is the fact that um, Isaac and Rebecca ended up having the same barrenness as um, Abraham and Sarah. And the difference in, the, in, in what that barrenness looked like, the difference in the decisions that were made in the barrenness. So with Abraham and Sarah, Sarah kind of walked outside of the will of God and, and, and prompted her husband to end up you know sleeping with one of the one of the um one of the servants in order to produce an heir and so the difference was that Isaac obviously learning from this mistake learning from the fact that him and his brother had these differences and this and this this um you know really like almost like a what do you call it a, a grudge between the two because of the situation that had happened that they weren't even living on the same sides of the you know the city or, or, or i wouldn't even say city but the region they were in different different sides of this region um and that you know even the other brothers and sisters had to be sent away and all of these different things and so when you really think of that and you think of how Isaac must have saw this and must have drew his conclusion, he realized in the midst of that, that waiting on the on the Lord um, for the promise was important. And so him and Rebecca uh, uh, really wait about 20 years before they have their first child. That's how long she is barren. She's barren for about 20 years. And so they end up giving birth to these, these two children. And also how Apostle said, it was it was interesting that Rebecca had a relationship with the Lord herself that she did not petition her husband, but, th but this is something else that is, that's really interesting that we have to be clear about is that Rebecca knew what was going on in her womb was not normal. She knew that what was going on in her room, in her womb was something divine in nature. And so, you know, how apostle says, sometimes we get preachy, right? But when you really think about it, it's a lot of us that don't understand what we have birthing on the inside of us. So we don't, we, we, we look at it as something that's a natural occurrence occurrence when you lose your job when you're you know your, your your marriage is failing when you have all these issues that's hitting you you think this is something happening because it's a natural issue that's going on well Rebecca knew what was happening in her womb wasn't just a natural issue it was something that had a divine connection and so she took that divine connection and she set it at the feet of God and God gave her divine revelation and when God gave her divine revelation, she obviously had to go back and tell her husband what was happening. What was all this tearing up? What was all this pulling? What was all this wrestling that was going on in her, her womb? So she had this divine revelation, um, this divine understanding that there was something with divine connection happening in her womb and the Lord gave, gave her divine revelation. And so I think that was just interesting in, in that small part that you talked about, because I know we haven't gotten into the birthrights and him and all of these things, but just that piece that apostle talked about, um, just in reference to how Rebecca came to this understanding and God gave her as the woman divine revelation, because sometimes 
as as believers, especially, you know, uh, post um, the Old Testament, more so the newer, this newer generation of believers really have uh, have this weird understanding that God does not give divine revelation to women. And so this the, the this divine revelation has come down to this woman and God did not see fit to just go ahead and now I'm gonna give it separately to her husband. No, I'm gonna give it to her and she will then tell her husband and they will stay in the will of God based off of that divine revelation that was sent through the wife. Also, he has also given, we know in aid with Abraham that he gave divine revelation directly to the husband. And then the wife then walked in unity with the husband in order for that divine revelation to be carried out. So you see here that not only does God expect us to be in his will, but it shows the oneness of marriage, how God can give revelation to the husband and God can give revelation to the wife. But the key is both sitting them, sitting that revelation down in relationship with God and walking in obedience to what that revelation is. So if it was Abraham being called out to the promise, it is Isaac now getting the promise, understanding that it is children coming from the, the um, another lineage of children coming out of that promise. And so then he walks in relationship with his wife, though she is barren, not going outside of the will of God to make that promise happen. And then once the wrestling help happens in the be belly, the wife now reaches out to God and say, hey, what is going on with this? He gives her divine revelation and they are supposed to walk in relationship with that divine revelation and walk in the will of God. Ernest, did you have anything you wanted to share? Amen. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you, can, you can definitely tell um, that uh, uh, Rebecca's relationship is different. Um, you can tell with the Lord, obviously she went to him and like Pastor C said, um, God had given her something to birth and the only, he had given her a creation. So the only way she could get revelation was to go to the creator um, in which she did. So, and um, somebody had posted something about, uh, Apostle, you put it up there, it's gone now. But um, they had said, oh yeah, the ability to be divinely aware creates an opportunity to receive divine revelation from God. Yeah, amen, that, that's, that's deep. So then we have to ask ourselves, where exactly is Isaac in this relationship? Because Isaac, uh, you know, he missed the boat. On, on this one. So, you know, what what caused that? And it's so funny because in the beginning, we're like, yeah, man, Isaac is a man. He was a kid that's going to be sacrificed. And now, you know, 20 years later, you know, it's like, dang, well, what, what, what's going on? What's, and so really, Abraham picking uh, Rebecca, man, he, he really helped Isaac out. And we kind of see why now. Okay, this boy, this boy, about to, he probably gonna do something crazy. Let me go let me go and fix this now to secure this covenant. So that's, that's all I got to say on that. Great job, guys, by breaking that down. That was beautiful. Praise the Lord. And this is actually the place where we got derailed on Wednesday. You know, it's funny because we had a little meeting before we get on. We get on about 1 o'clock to talk. We don't get on to come into an artificial agreement. We just get on to commune in the spirit so that we're in a oneness when we come on. I want to say that because this is all authentic, not rehearsed, not practiced. None of us knows what the other is going to say. Um, we want to believe in God for this community of spirit. He says, where two or more are gathered in his name, there I am also. 
and I, and, and we got derailed on Wednesday, Wednesday, anybody who was on the Wednesday group, we got on this whole big conversation about relationship and I'm going to keep, we're going to, what keeps us from getting derailed here is we're on the B live instead of the zoom, but uh, we're going to get derailed a little briefly with this point. Interesting point, how Sarah did spend her time seeking the wisdom from Abraham to petition God. She cried out to her husband. But in the case of Rebecca, you see Rebecca had a relationship with God. But what's very interesting is Rebecca didn't come up under Abraham's tutelage. Rebecca came up under Naor's tutelage. And so she had an instinctive nature inside her spirit. And then she got with Isaac and she didn't stay second. She didn't trail behind. And I think a lot of churches utilize the scriptures. And I have been guilty of it, trying to be apostolic, foundational, first century, foundational. I've also been guilty of it. So I'll confess that God had to illuminate these things with me. This apostle Paul says, I do not permit a woman to speak in the church, nor do I uh, allow her to hold authority over a man, but she should stay in submission. If she have a question, let her ask her husband at home. I think a lot of that has been confused. What he was dealing with was an immature church in which some of the women, which can tend to be more emotional in the world, were becoming unruly in the church. And he was silencing unruliness. And he was saying, I set this pattern up in all churches. We need to operate in order and decency. We can't have unruliness. But a woman who's a prophetess is going to prophesy. A woman who's a judge is going to prophesy and operate in her office. And Rebecca, who's the mother of the nation of Israel, right? Because she, until Jacob had the boys, I, Abraham, and Isaac, and Sarah, and Rebecca hold a similar place in parenthood of the entire nation. And this mother of a nation didn't see to go to Isaac and say, go to the Lord and find out what's happening. God bless you, my daughter. Hey, my daughter, she gets name Hazel, but I know it's Crystal. My daughter's here. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Stay with us, Hazel. Stay, Hazel, Crystal, stay with us. Praise God. And listen, what's important, sisters, is when you're flowing in the anointing and you're speaking, you're neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, but one in Christ. It says male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, yet we are all one in Christ. So then in the spirit, we're not operating in gender. We're all acting as the son of God. Santo, glory to God. So I want you to see how the foundation of righteousness is established both for the woman and for the man. And for you married folk, notice that your wife might sometimes be able to catch an earnest brought out. Where was Isaac on all of this? Because we know as the story goes on, Isaac favored Esau, right? So where was Isaac on this wisdom? Rebecca's the one that shored things up in accordance with the will of God. Isaac was drifting off on another agenda, okay? That doesn't negate Isaac as a man of God, but it just shows that he had a good wife, right? Proverbs 31 wife, the Proverbs 31 wife causes her husband to be seated at the city gates with the elders, it says the wife causes the husband to be seated. So in this case, Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebecca caused Isaac to be seated at the city gates. So it's funny. I feel the anointing flowing, and we're all kind of restraining ourselves. We're like thoroughbreds, and and but we had agreed we need to cover the material. So we'll go off here. We'll go off into the prophetic. We'll go off as it were. You'll never get to Genesis chapter twenty-seven or twenty-eight if we go off. So stay with us. 
everything isn't going to be a Holy Ghost party in the sense that we just fly off in the spirit. We want to kind of stay with the material, but we are moving in the spirit. And let me tell you something. I can see, you can see Pastor C on the screen. He's ready to rip into it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So um, we're going to then move on. I think one of the last points that, that gets us here at the end, okay, of chapter 25, and it's kind of a, a bad situation. It says, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. Remember, you're supposed to be reading these scriptures before we get on. This is just the review. So you should all know that Jacob got Esau to sell his birthright for some stew. And at the last verse of 25, verse 34, chapter 25 of Genesis, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank. Then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. And so when you're studying the word of God, you need to think from typological viewpoints. So there's the Isaac typology. There's the Abraham typology. But there's also the Esau typology. And as we go on, we're going to discuss aspects of the Esau typology, because we can learn from each one of these typologies, that's what the word of God said, that these stories have been left in place so that we don't fall victim to the, the devil, that we can be encouraged by the faith of the great men of God and the great women of God. Amen. So we're going to jump on into chapter 26, and it says, and I, I love, you know, someone had stated this, that there was a typological comparison between the life of Abraham and the life of of Isaac, there are a lot of similarities. And so also Isaac experienced a famine. And I'm gonna read the 26th chapter, the first few verses. And it says, now there was a famine in the land besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Now, mind you, remember, Abraham went to Egypt then he had problems in Egypt and he left Egypt and then he went back to the promised land and he also ended up amongst the Philistines, amongst King Abimelech in Gerar. And it says, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, right? Because dad went down to Egypt. He knows dad went down to Egypt because he knows Esau is his brother and he knows that Esau is his brother, not, excuse me, not Esau, I'm sorry. Isaac knows that Ishmael is his brother and he knows that Ishmael is the daughter of Hagar. And he knows that Hagar was a maidservant. So he knows that his dad went to Egypt. So the Lord intercepts Isaac and says, listen, listen, listen. Do not go to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you. Stay in this land while I, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will confirm an oath. I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands as through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Listen to what he says. Fathers, men, listen to what he says. Parents, listen to what he says. Because Abraham, we like to talk about generational curses, but what about generational blessings? He says, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements and my commands, my decrees and laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So there's a lot of points to be made, but I'm not going to consume all of them. I'm going to hit you with the very opening point. Wait a minute. We got another famine. Isaac might 
dip to Egypt. God says, don't do that. Stay here. Now Isaac is amongst Abimelech, the same Abimelech that Abraham was among, in the same town Gerar that his dad was. So he's following his dad's footsteps. And like I said, we like to talk a lot about generational curses, but how about that generational blessing? God says, you are blessed because your father was blessed. And so we like to talk about passing down generational flaws, but how about generational blessings, parents? Are you living the life that will bless your children? Are you the Abraham to your Isaac? Or are you like Esau to his kids? Because his cursing of his birthright is what led to the prophecy that the younger would serve the older. It's, it's some people think that God gives the prophecy and it's just he's arbitrarily picking people. We covered this in another session. God is not doing that. He knows the predispositions of the hearts. And he makes his decisions based on decisions he knows you are already making. So Esau, it was already known by God before he was born that he would leverage his physical ability and his natural ability and hold no regard for the anointing. So in that, Jacob received the favor. So in a sense, Esau cursed his children while Jacob blessed his children. Praise the Lord. And so let's start thinking about these things, saints, and let's bring all this forward in the spirit so that this just doesn't become historical stories of something that happened in ancient times and becomes relevant to the way we're carrying ourselves today. Fathers, I know that you've got your things that you're doing, but is what you're doing blessing your children? Are you being the Isaac to your children? Or on the Abraham to your children, are you being the Esau to your children? And what rightfully should be theirs, they're not able to get because you weren't able to walk in enough obedience to help them get it. I'm going to release it to uh, Pastor C to give more revelation on 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 26 chapter. Um, I just think, like you said, Apostle, confirming what you said, it was. It was interesting because a lot of times we like to talk about how how Jacob stole, you know, um, Esau's Esau's uh, birthright or how he tricked him out of um, getting Esau's birthright. And we're not, you know, we're not going to talk about the blessing, the trickery that went into getting the blessing. We're talking about the birthright here. And we have to think about Esau's character um, that, and, and it's something that Apostle made very clear to me when we were talking about predestination. And it was something that he don't know, it was so groundbreaking for me um, when he was teaching me this, this principle. But it was, but what he said was basically, just like he said, God knows the predisposition of your heart. And so he knows because he is in all, all places at all times in history, he knows what you're going to choose or what you're going to do or what you're going. He knows the predisposition of your heart. And that spoke volumes to me because he knew that Esau would not, um, even before the womb, he knew that Esau would not value his birthright. You know what I'm saying? And so it, it was is is groundbreaking. You know when you really think of that, where you think about the wisdom and the understanding. And so that that for me was amazing. And I can't wait until he really teaches on that because it's going to be groundbreaking for you all because it it changed a lot of things in my ministry. 
Um, and so when I think about that, and so when we think about that, that in and of itself, he knew before the womb what Esau was going to do. That's why later on in the Bible, it says, you know, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hate it because he knew that the disposition of his heart was always contrary to true wisdom, was always contrary to the will of God. And so when he came out from that long day of, you know, killing things and working in the field and doing all of these things, he came in and and he was like, well, let me get some of that soup. Isaac never tricked him. Isaac, not Isaac, but Jacob never tricked him. Jacob said, give me your birthright. It was no trickery because we find later on, he said he tricked me twice. You know, he tricked him once. The first time he told him and he gave it to him because Esau despised it. And let me tell you all the scripture where it talks about the way in which he despised it. It says, it says that this, I am running daily risk of my life and of what use will a birthright be to me? So he despised or cared little about it in comparison with gratifying his appetite. He was running a daily risk of his life because of the type of job he was doing, because of the type, the type of thing that he was experiencing as he was going out and getting game and doing all of these things. So he said, oh man, you up in here in the house, you cooking with mom, you doing all this light work. I'm out here risking my life every day. I don't care about no birthright, I'm hungry. And so he wanted to gratify um, his flesh more than um, 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 carry on or hold on to the very blessing that would bless the lineage of his children. And so when apostle says, how many of you men of God and women of God are sitting up here gratifying your flesh, gratifying the now, doing things to make, to make right now feel good, that you are forsaking the very thing that God is saying is not only going to bless you, but bless your lineage, but bless your children. And so I just thought that that was so, that, that was so groundbreaking for me and a lot of people, because like he said, it's the disposition of the heart. God knew before the womb. He says, I, before the womb, I knew you. I knew you, whether you were evil or whether you was good. He said, before the womb, I knew you. I was in all places of history with you. I was I was at your end and your beginning. I knew you. I knew you when I fashioned you. I knew you when I formed you. I knew you when I breathed my spirit in you. So when he said these two nations are warring, he rightfully gave the blessing to the one that who would right, who would rightfully in the end choose him. And so... I wanted to really push that point because it was, it's amazing for me. Um, like I said, and when apostle opened my eyes to that, it opened my eyes differently to the way certain people reacted in the scripture and places where you would say, oh man, well, God is being very strong or very mean here. But when apostle said that to me, he knows the predisposition of your heart. He knew, and he put, he put stuff in place because he knew that you wouldn't choose him in that season. Hmm. Praise the Lord, Pastor Ernest. Do you have anything you want to share on this section? Um, I think when we all get a chance um, after this, we, we need to go meditate on that. Um, that's deep, and not just looking at it, not looking at the Bible uh, with a magnifying glass, but looking at it with a mirror, so that we can see who we are in Christ and who we've been called to be and why it was us and not our brothers and not our sisters and really get to know him on a level and understand him, understand his His sovereignty and his complete, his absolute justice and his absolute love. That's probably the most 
I mean, don't get me wrong, for God so loved the world. But to know you before you existed, to put things in place, to, to tell that boy's mother, hey, listen, your oldest, that's not it. The young, it's gotta be the youngest. That's deep. So, um, yeah, that's something I, 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 and I only say that because I know that's something I need to meditate on. That's, that's just deep. But that's all I have to say. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Um, we're going to digress really briefly because it's just a relevant point here. So um, those of you who don't know, I'll explain to you. Uh, my grandson, um, through Crystal Gordo, just said he missed me and um, that he's with his mother now. And um, I haven't seen him in years. We are talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? We're talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We're talking about lineage and family lines and blessings. And, and, and I think a lot of people think that patriarchal movement is unique in the sense that it doesn't copy today. But remember that God operates in typological. So he left the Abrahamic typological to give you a revelation of family in the spiritual. So in a very real sense, you are called to be an Abraham, an Isaac, a Jacob, a nation of Israel. Just because you're not doing it on the worldwide scale, which is what they did on the worldwide scale, these examples were laid in foundation so that you could know how to walk individually. So in a very real sense, um, through a lot of this movement of God, I've recovered my daughter and I've recovered my grandson. So... Praise God for that. I'm excited. I was crying over there. Pastor C, your word was anointing and I should have been smiling, but I was in tears of joy because my grandson shouted out to me on the line there. And so, you know, this is what it says. The word of God will call the fathers back to the sons and the sons back to the fathers that I might heal the land. And so I think to a large extent, we look at the patriarchal movement. Okay. And we look at the patriarchal movement as a, as a, as a distinct movement and we feel it's irrelevant today and that's the problem with covenant theology and with messianic theology because how many of you know that you're called to be many messiahs you're not called to be many covenants okay you're called to be many messiahs so the abstraction of covenant theology patriarch mosaic grace is abstract but the reality or the personal reality of messianic theology is personal as a father, spiritual and physical, as a mother, spiritual and physical. Wives, are you carrying yourselves like Rebecca? Husbands, are you carrying yourself like Abraham? Husbands who carry yourself like Isaac, you got a wife like Rebecca. Women of God, you beautiful, gorgeous women of God, are you making the inner quality of your nature the likeness of Sarah? who, though outwardly beautiful, apparently to almost the day of her death, because men was hunting her down before, up until she died, men was willing to kill Abraham for her. Or is your adornment, as Peter said, the inner quality of your nature? So a lot of times we learn covenant theology, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the 11 other brothers, which formed the nation of Israel, which sat in Egypt for 400 years. And we got this big abstract wisdom but we haven't personalized that wisdom in the spirit so that it actually applies to our actual condition where it actually applies to the the the, the righteousness of god and we have a, a powerful prophetess 
who joined the school and uh, Prophetess Houston put out there, all scriptures are written before time for our instruction. But are we learning it from a standpoint of embracing independent individual instruction? Or are we learning it as a piece of academic information so that it actually has no impact? I have not lived like Abraham. I'll confess to you, I've been married four times. I have seven children. Okay, I made a lot of mistakes. I was a person that probably should have got a vasectomy when I turned 19. <laughs> okay, but um, I, I didn't. And so I have a lot of healing that has to take place. I did not carry myself like Abraham. Brothers who are out there who are listening, if you haven't yet been married, are you looking from the perspective of Abraham to find a Sarah, okay, or to find a Rebecca? Or are you looking for something else in the physical without looking at the inner quality of the heart, which God admires, which is a gentle, quiet spirit and piety? Okay, are you looking for an Asherite woman? And if you look that up in Google, the Asherite women were known for their beauty and their piety. A lot of us, we chase in the beauty, we're not chasing the piety. And so then we end up like Esau, who picked some bad wives, okay, all right, and brought, 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 brought headaches down on his parents and brought destruction down on his family line from a standpoint of promise. So there's a lot of wisdom in these scriptures that we need to embrace and actually start to apply. Men who are already married, men are in the situation that I'm in where I came to my senses later in life and had to wake up to the reality. They got a lot of cleanup work to do. Are you willing to walk in the brokenness and sincerity to do the cleanup work? Or are you going to just say, well, God's got grace on me and it is what it is. You know, that's the past and forget about it and keep it moving. No, there's redemptive paths. Amen. So I want to keep it relevant. Okay. And Pastor C wants to jump in. Go ahead, Pastor C. Um, no, I was just gonna, I was just holding my hand up that when you finish your statement, because I loved your statement, but I do have some people that are hitting me up wanting to know more about clarity on when you said that we were many messiahs and i know that i know exactly what you meant by it but i want people to understand that you didn't mean that no we're not jesus we're not the messiah in and of himself we will never be the messiah but explain to him explain to them what you meant by the term many messiah Praise the Lord. So the, the, the thing is that, um, and I'm going to use it in context with how I use it initially. You're not Abraham, but you are a patriarch of your family. If you're the only saved soul in your family, you're the patriarch there. You're a prophetic typology. If you're the only saved soul in your family, you are a messianic typology. You are the hope for that for your family you are the hope how do you not know that god has not anointed you like he anointed joseph to lead your family out of a famine into a fresh land in which they can receive hope and blessing you're going to the family function and you're sliding into the familiar personality that they're familiar with to make them comfortable instead of walking in like jesus and Jesus was ridiculed by his brothers and Jesus was ridiculed by people in Galilee. And there are people saying, I know where you're from. You ain't fooling nobody. You're the carpenter's son. You ain't nobody. But you're the Messiah in that situation, prophetic typology. 
And so don't go to the family function like, okay, well, they all know me like this. I ain't going to come in there like I'm the second coming of Jesus. No, you don't have to come in there with a snooty attitude because I think that's what people mean when they say acting like the second coming of Jesus. But you can go in there with, I might be their last hope of salvation. I might be their last chance of deliverance. I know a woman of God who was not necessarily looked upon as a big favor in her family, but she took a chance. She took a chance to invite them to a Bible study. Almost her entire family got baptized because she humbled herself and she was not looked up to like she wasn't the oldest and everybody respected her. And they, they, a lot of fact, and some of them didn't respect her and some of them, but they said, you know what? She invited us to this Bible study. We might as well just go. Next, you know, almost the entire family got baptized. So you, when we read these Bible stories and we disconnect ourselves from them, we miss the value that God is bringing into these studies. He's trying to tell you, you Abraham, dad, your son's going to have sons and your daughters are going to get married and they're going to have sons and daughters. And you could bless them by being an anointed man of God that teaches generations how to walk into obedience because of your obedience. And you could be blessing generations just because you're not Abraham doesn't mean you're not Abraham. And just because you're not Jesus doesn't mean you're not typologically Jesus in a situation. This is how God works through messianic theology. Noah was not Jesus. Abraham was not Jesus. Isaac was not Jesus. Jacob and the 12 brothers were not, Jacob and the 11 brothers were not Jesus. Uh, Aaron was not the high priest, Jesus. But they were all typologicals, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now you, blessed and reborn under the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit, are even more fit in that typology. But insecurity, mistraining, people-pleasing, fear, and a lot of miseducation robs a lot of the anointing that's on your life from being realized in the call that you have. And I'm going to open it up to Ernest and Pastor C, because I said a lot, to see if they have anything they want to share on these points. Man, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to hold myself together, man. I'm trying not to. Uh, trying not to get emotional. Um, I, uh, I, I've seen you take this walk, man. <clears throat> I know how much you prayed for this stuff and to see your grandson reach out to you. You know, it's crazy because we just think it's a school and it's so much more. <clears throat> the reconciliation that is beginning to take place in your life and how prophetic that we're going through the father, we're going through Abraham, we're going through his lineage. And how prophetic that this happens. So I don't know, I'm just I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed. Every time we get to a certain point, it's like the Lord just takes us higher. And it's crazy because I know we all had to push through to get here today. I'm not talking about today, I'm just talking about in our lives. 
all of us for 30 some odd years, 40, 50 some odd years had to push through. Even the people in the comment section had to push through to get here. And it's crazy to see you push through to get here and, and all that the Lord is adding to you um, and bringing back. Um, it's, I'm not going to lie, man. Today has been amazing. Just what Pastor C was saying about Rebecca getting the word. And as you said, Paul had made that statement about women not preaching in church and people take that to beat down women. And so they, they, they can't talk and try to shut them up how you just you know were able to clear that up um i don't know man today's been amazing that's 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 all i really got to say it's just been amazing did you did you want to share pastor c i am just amazed at how the Lord uses prophecy to restore. And so I can see the move of God apostle on your life prophetically. Um, and just to see the joy in your heart as you teach, not knowing this transition, not knowing what's going on, not knowing it's like, you know how everybody's saying their whole life, they be like, I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall. Now I'm that fly. And I'm just sitting over here. <laughs> this is what a fly on the wall look like. <laughs> and that's that's what I am. I am a fly on the wall to your story, to 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 the beauty of what Ernest already knows to be, you know, beautifully shown in this moment. So I'm just, I'm just, and and I'm enjoying how you're breaking down. Um, you know, the typologies, knowing that, you know, no one takes this away saying that you are Jesus, but at the same time, Jesus has put his Holy Spirit in you, in you so that you can direct people back to the Savior. And yes, like, you know, Apostle said, you are someone's hope for salvation. You are some, you might be your whole family's only hope to see Jesus in the work in your life, to see Jesus moving, to see the Holy Spirit. So you are that typology of Jesus, just like Jonah was a typology of Jesus Christ when he was in the belly of the well for three days. And it said, like Jonah, I will be in the belly of the beast. And so, um, you know, we have to understand that this is just this, this here, this here, if apostle didn't walk in his calling so many years ago, but come into this new revelation of his calling in this season that a lot of things that would not have been able to be blessed through his lineage. So I'm watching the blessing and I'm praying that the Lord continues to allow me and my amazing and beautiful man of God that I call my husband continue in a way that we can be Abraham and Rebecca to the lives of our children, um, you know, and blessing them down the line. And I pray not only that for myself, but for the church really as well, and for FCCC and for everybody that's on this line. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. And 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 this comes, saints, from authenticity. It doesn't come from perpetrating the fraud, the, the, the fraud of perfection, but it comes from authenticity. Amen. And and so when you come authentic, it says, uh, confess your sins one unto another that you might be healed. 
And so, um, uh, you know, I know I, I, I talked the title of apostle and then I'm sharing some aspects of my testimony that don't make me look too wonderful. Um, but that's the reality. God didn't call me because I, of course, of who I am. He called me because of what he's making me. And so praise the Lord. And I just want to thank everybody for sharing their experience with me. And I'm being really real and not judging me through the process, but, you know, affirming me in the process to encourage me to press on. You know, this is what I meant. And again, this is why I encourage all the students to see the orientation. This is what I meant when I said you need to see the orientation, because a lot of us have been or have been oriented to see. OK, and so this is first century Christ Church International Divinity College, and I am. I wouldn't use the word, but this is the image I'm going to give off. I am the great apostle Kevin Britt, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you're so grateful. You should be grateful to be a part of this college because it's so illustrious and enormous. And people feel contented to present that image. And people feel contented to adopt these roles under that image when all of that really isn't Christ. What we really need to do is come busted and disgusted with who we were to allow God to do the next thing that he's about to do in your life because guess what after you clean up the last thing god's gonna affirm a new thing and it's gonna be a new ascension until you reach the fullness and the full magnitude of his glory and now you know why i said we're trying so desperately to stick to the material because we could go on and off into a lot of directions with this but in order for you to really get the wisdom that's available here, it has to be delivered through the Holy Spirit and it has to be delivered through brokenness, not through an academic affliction. So I think a lot of you understand what I mean now about academic affliction, about us coming in open and not trying to act like we're the experts and the and where we're the second coming of Christ and, and we're professors and you're a bunch of students. I think you're getting the picture now of how this is taking place. We're covering the material. We are anointed. We do have an anointing, glory to God, and we are sharing that anointing with you in the zooms you get a chance to share your anointing with all of us um the be lives are more of a presentation and we are also covering the material right so we're able to cover the material and at the same time open up in the spirit so that something is actually happening with the material other than just gaining head knowledge and that was the vision god gave me for the school and and so i i feel blessed in the spirit to be here as well as I'm sure many of you feel blessed to be here. And it's not because we're here, right? But it's because Jesus is here and him being here releases the Holy Spirit on all of us. So also in chapter 26, interesting stories that relate to us. How many, Abimelech became a hater, right? Okay. And then also, excuse me, I, I said, I said it out of order after the whole famine issue and God blesses Isaac because of a generational blessing from Abraham and he advises him not to go to Egypt to keep him from making the mistake his dad may have made Abimelech he gets around Abimelech and he tells Abimelech that Rebecca is his sister now remember that story okay right so we got that one straight from dad both of them married some very beautiful women and they definitely didn't want to get killed so that someone could take their wife but Abimelech learned his lesson. This time Abimelech didn't go just take the sister. He started observing down. He, he was checking things out from the cut, right? And he checked it out. He went, wait a minute. The way you're caressing this woman, that's not your sister. That's your wife. And he calls him in. Now, the last time he just took Abraham's wife. So you sister, good. She married to me now. But this time 
he learned his lesson. He said, let me check. And he checked. He caught up and he challenges a, uh, 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 Isaac. And of course, the, the key to that is the beauty, right? That beauty. Again, that beauty. He said, I know she's beautiful and you guys will not, I afraid you guys were going to kill me to take her away from me. Okay, so Abimelech learns his lesson with Isaac, the one that he learned with Abraham. And then he gets a bunch of haters, right? He, he, he opens up a well. They say it's their well or they clog up his well. So he has, excuse me, a bunch of haters, right? But Isaac walks with the sandals of peace. Hang on a second. Yes, go ahead, Pastor. I'm sorry. I just, I just wanted to say something um, about the wells, because this was some some revelation that the Lord gave me in reference to the wells. And I'm, I'm sure he's given a lot of people who read it. But the, the thing about the wells were that those were his father's wells. So rightfully those were his wells those that would have been a well that he had full access to he had full rights to those were his wells. every time he went back because they had filled the wells up of abraham with sand and so every time he went and he opened a well of his father's um that was filled with sand saying the people that were living in gerar would fight him for it and say no it's ours but rightfully so it was actually isaac's it was actually his wells because it was his father's wells that those would have been his wells but i also think there is it goes to show the character of a of, of a of a person of god walking in purpose and what it had and what they have to have because the beauty of what isaac did is that as he opened up the wells and they fought him for these wells he could have very well stood his grant ground and fought back because those were his father's wells instead he gave them the wells and then opened up another well and then they fought him on that well and then he gave them the then he gave them that well and then opened up another well and i think it's beautiful because the well that he opened up when he finally opened up the well and they didn't fight him for it he said god has made room for me i'm going to call this well um i forgot what he called the well let me get let me find it um where it is he says, I'm going to call this well Rehoboth, right? It says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Even though he, he was the rightful heir to those other wells, there are things in your life where you are the rightful heir to. There are things that was left behind specifically from, for you and they were stolen from you. There was nothing that you did to get them stolen. There was nothing that you did to put you outside of the will of God to get things taken from you. Because sometimes we think every time something's taken from us, it's something that we did. No, in this instance, it was nothing that Isaac did that got the wells removed from him, but it was the location and the people that had moved in to where the blessing was and so instead of fighting them for a blessing that he already knew was his instead of fighting them for living water that was already there for him he continued to move until he got to the place that he did not have to fight the Lord says, you don't have to fight for this. This blessing is for you. I have made room for you amongst, because this room was made amongst his enemies. This room was made amongst people who were fighting him for wells. He says, I made room for you. So when he called it Rehoboth, it blessed me. It says, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful 
in the land, in the, in the place where I finally give up and I don't have to fight. And I'm not talking about give up on the Lord. I'm talking about give up my authority, give up my power, give it to God to work out. Once I give that all up to God, then the Lord now blesses me by making room for me and making me fruitful in the land. So I just was like, you know, those wells signified something in a time where they might not have signified something for me before. Praise the Lord, Ernest. Did you want to share on this point? I'm good, guys. I'm Praise God. I, I wanted to say that me and Pastor C in the spirit are on the, in alignment. So I had written down here. So blessings create haters, but Isaac walks with the sandals of peace. God affirms blessing after the session, the season of obedience. See, a lot of times when we fight our own battles, I used to share this with my wife. My wife's a warrior. In fact, one of her names, one of her, her handle names is warrior of Christ. And that's a true handle for her. And she's a, she's a warrior. It's like she, she'll fight. And um, um, sometimes I tell her, nah, just sit down, put your feet up on the ottoman and eat the popcorn and watch the show because God is going to fight this battle. And the Bible says the Lord fights my battles. And so here, Isaac, instead of going head to head with Abimelech and his people over these wells, he walks with the sandals of peace and he has to do it more than once. God allows him to be tried a few times and then he blesses him and now this blessing becomes a greater blessing because he didn't make a way for himself but now he knows that it's by divine providence that a way has been made for him so i completely concur with the message that pastor c released because that's exactly what i had written down on my notes here and so for those of you wonder about my notes i literally print the scriptures out and then what i do is i go through each paragraph and i create little border writings for me to cover the subtitles and so for you who are part of the school realize that you are being asked to develop your own commentary notes and in your own commentary notes, when you finish this year of school, you're going to have your own commentary. So, you know, uh, there's going to be prophetess Treminster Houston's commentary of the Bible. There's going to be a Pastor Jennifer Britt's commentary on the history, uh, on, on the complete Bible. There's going to be the Apostle Kevin Britt's commentary on the Bible. And each one of you is going to Jason Hansen's commentary on the Bible. Come on, Lawrence commentary on the Bible. Since each section, you should be keeping together your notes on each one of these sections so that you're developing your own commentary notes. And at the end of the year, you'll have your own commentary notes on the whole word of God. So we're now going to move on to chapter 27. And in chapter 27, it talks about uh, Jacob and gets Isaac's. Uh, excuse me, Jacob gets Isaac's blessing. So we know that he steals the blessing. But as Pastor C had already mentioned, his stealing the blessing was not the significance. The significance was Esau's despising of his blessing. And so it's here that I want to talk about how ignorance dominates. Because see, in the 27th chapter, Jacob steals the blessing, right? And he receives the blessing, right? And after he receives the blessing, 
what was the blessing? What how did how did the blessing read? I want to read off the blessing. Okay. He says, Ah, we're in the 27th verse of the 27th chapter of the 27th chapter, 27th verse. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Now, that opening prophecy was meant and was referring directly to Esau. I want you to listen. Because this is what God now says. May God give you of the heavens due and of the earth's riches, an abundance of grain and new wine. Who does Isaac think he's blessing? He thinks he's blessing Esau. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be the Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. That is the blessing. Traditionally, that blessing would have went to Esau. Esau fit the typology for the blessing because he smelled Esau's clothes on Jacob. I want you to see this. And the smell of Esau's clothes invoked a prophetic release from Isaac. But because Esau trusted in his natural strength and turned his nose up against the anointing of God, the blessing fell on Jacob. I'm going to open it up, Pastor C, um, if you have a revelation on these pieces as well. Well, there was something, you know, I, I got some revelation written, but let me say something. There was something that you just said when you talked about, you know, him smelling Esau and then the, the blessing, you know, Esau fitting the typology, but there was something that you said when you said, and the sons of your mother. And it's interesting there how, you know, I never caught that until you just said it. When you said that it, it, it either, it further showed the separation that, that, Isaac had in the favoritism that Isaac showed toward Esau that even the other sons weren't even he didn't even consider them and not even saying consider them a part of his lineage he didn't talk about them like they were his sons it was the th these are the sons may you rule over the sons of your mother because you're the son of the blessing you're the son of the promise you're the the rest of those are your mother's sons. They get the secondary blessing. They get the scraps. Because even when you look at the second blessing, what was left over for Esau, that was the scraps. But it matched Esau's character. And so the blessing that fell on Esau was actually a, a reflection of the character of Esau. But when you see the favoritism that Isaac was showing to the firstborn, the son of the blessing, that, that you're my son, you're the son of the blessing, and you're going to rule over the scraps. You're going to rule over the sons of your mother because they, they're not the sons. And so you just saying that, I was just kind of like, hmm. Wait, hold up. All the words he could have used, he used that word. It was a clear separation. Mm -hmm. It was a clear separation of what, what the blessed child would look like. And like I said, when you read that, and I just thought about that second blessing, 
and what that second blessing looked like. It truly matched Esau's character. And the first blessing we would find would definitely match Jacob's um, as he continues to transition into the man of God that God had called him to be. But when I just said that, that floored me because I was like, you was like, he smelled him. And, it, 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 and this another thing you said that was so powerful, Apostle. When you said he smelled them and it provoked the prophecy, it provoked the actual prophecy from God for the blessing of God to be released. What would have happened if the trickery had never happened? If he had not smelled the field, if he had not smelled the Esau, who he thought was, was wearing this cloak, if he had not, if it had not brought back the memory of who Esau was, if it had not brought back the memory of the field, would that, would that, would that prophecy have been, have been as powerful? Would he have even been in a position to, to pour out the will of God over Jacob's life. And so man, 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 man. No, that's not, that is Jacob, right? Esau and, and Jacob. Yeah, let me get it right. But yeah, that's it. That's all I gotta say. I just thought that was amazing. And, and apostle, you just sat me down in so many ways. I'm like, get it, man. <laughs> and, amen, Ernest, would you like to share on this piece as well? Um, well, yeah, she asked, she was like, well, what happened if it hadn't gone right? And that, that verse you, you posted right there, but Esau, I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. Um, so all I say is this, man, uh, Abraham, Abraham did his thing by picking, uh, picking Rebecca. Abraham, Abraham saved us, all of us. <laughs> So, but yeah, um, Abraham, Abraham saved all of us. So, um, but yeah, that's deep that, that, um, some, a certain smell can invoke a prophecy and, um, we forget about that, that God is spirit and that's, and we're all a body and it, it takes all of the body to actually, um, to function correctly and move in accordance with each other. So that was deep. That was deep. Praise the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I, I really see that and more clearly than I did before, that God's intention, which is to bless the firstborn, was not abated in Esau by accident. It was an issue of favor due to election based on God's infinite wisdom. And so Esau was completely lined up to receive this blessing, but his lack of willingness to lean upon spiritual anointing over his physical, mind you, all his gifts came from God. We're gonna talk about Esau typology right now. All his gifts came from God. His skilled hunter ability came from God. He was evidently a strong man. It also came from God. By the way, there are certain theological circles that believe that part of the reason why he favored Esau, I mean, excuse me, why, why Isaac favored Esau over Jacob is because um, Isaac was not like Ishmael. So there was a typological difference there in personality and character. Isaac was not like um, Ishmael. And Ishmael was 
Isaac's older brother. And there are certain theological circles that throw into the commentary, and I say commentaries, these are personal revelations of commentary, that it was quite possible that Isaac favored Esau because Esau reminded him of Ishmael, something that he himself was not like. Ishmael was his older brother, and Ishmael was a skilled and a hunter and an outward person, right, where Isaac seemed to be a little bit more the mama's boy. How many times do we see that in real life, right? We see that in real life where the where the older brother's this, you know, great athlete and the younger brother's a little bit more mama's boy. So when the younger brother has a son and the son's a big athlete, he kind of favors that particular son because he's kind of reminds him of his older brother, something he was not when he was growing up. This is, again, commentary thought, but commentary thought has a value. I got you, Pastor Z, I'm going to release it. Commentary thought has a value in comprehension in the spiritual. Isaac, for whatever his reason, had a deep favor for Esau. It says in the word that his favor was linked to the quality of the food he makes. But we already know Rebecca knows how to make that exact same food because she made it and gave it to Jacob. And Jacob gave it to Isaac and Isaac did not complain. So Esau wasn't the only one that could make that food. So maybe it wasn't just the food. Maybe it was that Esau was a strapping of a man. You see what I'm saying? Whereas Isaac might have been a little bit more the mama's boy. Where do we see that again? God is constantly exposing man's interest in the natural. Now, I want you to listen to this carefully now. Didn't God show this again between Saul and King David? Didn't God reveal it again between Saul and King David? God specifically picked a tall, stately-looking man in Saul who had all the appearances of a great king and even some of the ability but not the character and the anointing to then say, aha, this is what you asked me for a king for. This is why I'm giving you this king. And this is why I'm going to give you first this king. And then I'm going to give you King David. Now he was no mama's boy. King David was a rough man too, but it said he was a shorter. He was short. He was some of a runt like a person. And in the beginning, when he was younger, he didn't appear to be much of anything from a standpoint of physical stature or ability. That's why his own brothers didn't think he was the one to be blessed. In fact, there's some conversation between him and his brothers, which kind of made David look like when Jacob's sons were talking to Joseph. Okay, why are you here? He said, I'm here to bring you food. We know you. You're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to be a big shot. What are you here for? He said, come on, man. I come to bring you food. You treat me like this? Sounds a lot like the 11 brothers and Joseph, right? So you see all these family dynamics. Saints, how many of you got have family dynamics? Are you learning from the patriarchs how to deal with family dynamics? Even Jesus had family dynamics, right? His own brothers didn't believe in him. If you think you're somebody, you need to go to the festival. Anybody trying to make a name for themselves would be going to the festival. They wouldn't be hiding. And it says, because even his own brothers didn't believe in him. How many of you as disciples have family dynamics? So you're here studying Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Esau. You're learning all of this information, but are you learning it to be able to apply it into your family dynamics? Amen. And so we're going to not allow ourselves to lose the wisdom that Pastor C might have wanted to bring into the situation. She'll come back shortly. She's doing double duty. She's watching children and trying to help us on this school effort here. But go ahead, Pastor C. Uh, I'm going to open it up for you to speak. I forgot what I was going to say. Um, I'm sorry. Um, 
Praise God. We can come back to it. When you when you remember, we just come back to it. Listen, I think you guys have already, for those of you who don't already know Pastor C, and among many of you do, but for those of you who don't know Pastor C, she's a very anointed woman of God. And for those of you who haven't had a chance yet to meet her husband, he's a very anointed man of God. I stand by the church Philly. And, you know, for anybody who knows me and has ever followed my page, I don't stand by people just to be stand by them. They have an anointing in sincerity and authenticity. They keep it real. They keep it gut level. They keep it Jesus. And that's what you want in a pastoral ship. That's what you want in a church. So the church Philly in Philly, but not just Philly, because the church Philly is the church of brotherly love. So when you get when you're ready, Pastor C, you let us know. And we're going to yield the floor to you. We're in. Um, we really only have the end of the 27th chapter to go through. And my only influence that I would like to share in addition is we read the blessing to Jacob, right? Then Esau shows up. Esau's upset, okay? Because he just found out his brother stole his blessing. Now he's asking his father for a blessing as well. Now here's the problem. Everything has been given to Jacob. So there's nothing to give Esau. But yet Esau is still, excuse me, everything has been given to Isaac. We get in these we get these kids mixed up now. Well, they're not a kids to us. They're our great, 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 great grandparents. But um, we're getting them mixed up as 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 uh, children of whom. So let's start again. Isaac gave the full blessing to Jacob. So there was nothing left to give Esau. But Esau is still a son, okay, of Isaac. So he tries to give him a blessing, but in already showing you the righteousness and the glory of God, already since they gave everything to Jacob, to give Esau anything, he got to put him in the outskirts. He got to stick Esau in the outskirts to give him anything, because if he doesn't put him in the outskirts, then he would come completely under the prophecy given to Jacob. So he says, if you want a blessing, here's the blessing going to get in. We're in the book of Genesis chapter 20. Seven, and we're in the 38th verse, and it says, Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches. Why does his dwelling have to be away from the earth's riches? Because the earth's riches have been given already to Jacob. If you don't want to come up under Jacob, I got to put you, pull you away from the riches. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Now, as we continue to go through the end of it, we find that Esau is now um, extremely angry, right? Extremely angry, decides he wants to kill Jacob. Now, what what uh, uh, Tibene likes to Tabina, Tib, I keep calling Tibene, but it's Tabina. Tabina likes to talk about the juicy part. So this is the juicy part. I don't know if y'all got this. So Esau threatens to kill Jacob. Listen to what happens. Thirty-first verse. See if you pick this up. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. So he said to himself, "The days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob." Now, when Rebekah was told what her older son was about to do, she sent for her younger son, Jacob, and said to him, your brother is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while, 
until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Now, there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinion there, but I'm going to tell you what my opinion is. She was set in her mind that if Esau lay hands on Jacob, she was going to lay hands on him. I brought you in the world and I'll take you out. Some people say, oh, because he would have been a murderer, she lost him. Yeah, that sounds real good. But I believe, personal revelation, that what she was saying is, if Esau kills you, I'm going to kill him. So why should I lose both my boys in one day? And so you can see the love that Rebecca had for Jacob. And she had some love for Esau, too, because she didn't want to have to do him dirty either. And that's my revelation. Now, like I said, everybody might have their revelation. I'm going to release it to Bassey, and uh, she can speak on the subject matter. And we're talking about, of course, uh, the 27th chapter of Genesis. I just think, I just think, uh, Apostle, you always be dropping stuff and then be acting like you ain't dropped nothing. Like, come on. Like, I, I never looked at it that way. Because I'm just like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> being a mom and you just like, I'm just, I don't want to lose both of y'all. I don't want to have to take this one out and take when he take you out. And I think that's amazing too. I think that's, that's hilarious because we as parents be like, you ain't gonna, I mean, you had that same love for both of your kids. Cause you not only talked about, I don't want to have to take him out, but she said that because she don't want to have to take him out too. So you get what I'm saying? Like, I love you enough that I want it. I want you to stay alive. I love him enough that I want him to stay alive. So I'm not going to allow him to kill you because I don't want to have to kill him. So so everybody stay alive. You go that way, let him stay here and cool off. And it's hilarious <laughs> when you look at it that way. No, we're not. It's gangster because Rebecca was about that life. Here, here go your husband on his dying bed. So you got to be about up in some years. And you like, don't make me have to take this pot to his head and take him on up out of here. <laughs> So I thought that was funny, but um, another thing that I see here is the double, it's, it's the double blessing, right? We don't think about the fact that Jacob got double portion. He got the birthright. He got the blessing. He got double. He got double the blessing. He took everything from Esau. He took Esau's birthright. He knew the value in the birthright because that wasn't his blessing. Then he got the, the blessing. But then on top of that, not only did he get his birthright in the blessing, but he got what was originally attributed to him as well. So we, we don't understand that Jacob made out like a thief in the night. He took his blessing that he was, because he, he didn't sell none of his stuff. He didn't get rid of none of his stuff. So even though he had what would have been considered the scraps, he took his scraps, he took all his blessings and he rolled out and, and, and left. And I think that was a blessing. But also um, one of the things that I also think about is that um, um, not only did he get the blessings, I'm trying to get my thought out because it was really just sitting in my head. Uh, 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 but it talks about how um, when he took both of these blessings and he left, it talked about the yoke that was on Esau and the pressure that would have been on Esau because of his anger. Because I think, he, you know, we come to the realization that Esau realized what everything was worth in the end, right? After everything was taken from him, he realized what everything was worth. And so then 
the 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 father says when you grow restless when you tired of all this when you tired of being angry when you tired of being upset when you're tired of this desire of wanting to kill because it's it's amazing how he is only in servitude for the length of the time that he is wrapped up in his anger so he it says when you are tired he said and for all of this you shall serve your brother but when you grow restless you shall break his yoke from your neck you will come out of the servitude the minute that you grow restless in your anger. And this is this is something that's amazing because he's talking about that spiritual servitude, that 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 spiritual yoke of his brother that he took on his neck to be in service and to be in bondage to his brother because of his anger and his hurt. And then the last thing, and, and, and Apostle, you can correct me anywhere in that little piece that I'm wrong because that was just a little revelation I got. I'm like, maybe it's sound. Maybe it might have a little cloud in there. I don't know. Apostle going to correct me and get there. And so, and then the last piece is we like to try to say that the trickery ended there, but this is the thing about Jacob. Jacob ends up, and we find out in later chapters that Jacob ends up reaping what he sowed through his mother. And so trickery is the way in which he got the blessing trickery is the way in which the 12 tribes of israel were birthed and so we have to understand that yes he tricked with his mother his brother to get the blessing but that scripture where it says god works all things out for the good of those who love him is that even though he tr he tricked his brother and he received the blessing that was rightfully his he still had to to reap the sowing of trickery and we find him later in laban where Laban now has tricked him into marrying his older daughter and to get the younger daughter and all those things. But that trickery still, that trickery got the blessing and that trickery still birthed the 12 tribes of Israel. So two situations where he was tricked, two situations where people were taken advantage of and the good in both of those situations are, are where that they were the avenues for the blessings to still be released. If he wouldn't have tricked his brother, he wouldn't have had to run. If Laban wouldn't have tricked him, he wouldn't have had the 12 tribes. And so I just think it's interesting when you look at how God was still working everything out for the good, but they still had to reap the sin of what they sold. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Ernest, did you want to share on this piece as well? Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm glad she brought it home. Uh, yeah, he had to go back to Laban, the ultimate trickster. The the uh, he he had Laban had a couple of generations on on Jacob, so he saw him coming from what 40, 40, 50 years back. He was he was in no, and and as Pastor C said, he left in distress. So when you leave in distress and you're out there walking like that, then yeah, it's going to be hard to to see a, a, a trick coming. Um, so uh, that's um. She's right. And then, yeah, the 12 tribes were built off of that. And that's, uh, you talk about some lineage and families and stuff. When we go to breaking down uh, Jacob's sons, it, it's going to get, uh, it's going to get pretty interesting. So, um, so yeah. And then um, also uh, Isaac was able to give Esau his, his deliverance in that saying, you know, once you stop hating your brother, like she said, the yoke will be released from your neck. I thought that was very prophetic. Um and in in deliverance to uh to to uh esau in regards to jacob but yeah yeah that's that's pretty much all i had praise the lord and i, I just want to share saints that to a large extent um you might not be hearing great from Ernest because you know i'm getting first slice and then 
<laughs> passes. He's getting second slice. Ernest picking up third slices. So, uh, but uh, don't underestimate the gifting and the anointing in what he's been sharing with us on these points as well. And I want to just say that, um, you know, that whole piece about um, the yoke being thrown off of Esau, God talks often on multiple levels. Okay. And there's a lot of things to see here. We could go on and on and on. That's why we struggle to try to maintain a certain focus to make sure we got through the material. Because we'd be here all day and still not cover all the chapters. Because there's a lot of revelation here. God has a judicial will. Okay. So to some extent, Laban had to pay, I mean, excuse me, Jacob had to pay some penalty for his deception. Right. But he also had his prophetic will. And he prophesied Jacob into the position that he was in. Amen. And then God has mercy. So he still was allowing Esau to receive something and not to be completely ousted. Okay. So you can see that we hear a lot of talk about God's sovereign will and God's permissive will. And we kind of want to restrict God to these certain ways of being. But here we see God's judicial will. I'm going to allow Laban to experience some consequences. He needs to learn not to be such a trickster. So he allowed him to go to the master trickster so he could get tricked up enough so he could learn, stop practicing trickery. Okay. While blessing him, <laughs> while blessing him with this eternal wisdom, do you see the wisdom of God? And God may be doing the same thing with you and me. He might be like, I want to bless you completely, but I also got to discipline you partially so that your character molds into holding on to the blessing that I'm blessing you with because if I just bless you even though you're making these errors and I just wash them away without you getting an education then you're going to potentially corrupt the blessing that I'm giving you so he says he disciplines us as sons for what father does not discipline his children now we all obeyed our fathers for a little while for the work that they did in our life as they saw fit how much more should we submit ourselves to the father in heaven who disciplines us with absolute righteousness and prophetess Tremenster Houston put up we're all on the potter's wheel. And so we're going to emphasize that point too. Didn't he say that? He said, go down to the potter and look at him and deal with the potter and the wheel. He says, are you not like this clay, O house of Israel? And are you not like this clay? Can I not mold you as I see fit? And saints, how many of us are not allowing ourselves to be molded by the Holy Spirit? Because we trust more our natural strength, Esau, than we trust the anointing, Jacob. Okay, because we can talk about Jacob and Esau, but how many of us flow in a, Esau Jacob typology. We Esau over here, but we Jacob over here. And for Wednesday, we got in a whole big conversation, right? Because there's some people, they're Jacob in every area of their life. And when it comes to getting married, they Esau. Okay. Uh, you might be Jacob in every area of your life, but in your finances, you Esau. Trust in your own strength. So we have the we have this typology, right? Trusting in the anointing of God, the promise, trusting in your own strength. Okay, when you trust in your own strength, you're going to get the results of Esau. When you trust in the anointing of God, you're going to get the results of Jacob. You see all of the different things, and we could go on this preach all day, this preach all day, all week, all month, all year. We could preach and preach and preach on the same subject. I had a brother once tell me, Why is it always you seem to be covering the same thing? And I'm like, Well, one, it's because of a lot of stop starts. So we'll just say that, we'll throw that out there. Praise God for the continuation here. No stop starts. But two, 
it ain't the same thing. If you listen with this same story, we've preached probably four or five different messages off this one story. And we could go on and on with different prophetic typologies, which give you wisdom and separate you from the wickedness of the devil and mount you up in the righteousness of God. And so we're only here to cover the first part of the 28th chapter of, of, of Genesis, only to Esau's finally grasping the picture at the end. And so we're in the 28th chapter. We're going to just read that segment of the reading. It says, so Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him. Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padam Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brothers. Now, remember, Isaac was a very obedient son. He's now watching the behavior of his father. Now, interestingly enough, Isaac watched Ishmael get sent away. Knows the story of Ishmael. While he stays with the blessing, right? Then he watched his father before he passed away, anoint him, Santo, glory to God, anoint him with the double portion. Now Isaac has put the double portion on Jacob. Now we, we didn't cover the end of the 27th chapter where Rebecca threw her lasso hand up in there. She like, okay, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to, she sent him, but she really couldn't send him. He says, you're going to go to my brother. He says, but she can't send him. So what does she do? Come on, sisters. Y'all know how to roll, right? When the man don't know what he's doing and you got to find kind of help him out a little bit. So she goes to Isaac and says to Isaac, I cannot stand these women, okay, that, that Esau have married. So I do not let my son take a child from these women. But she already knew where he was supposed to go. If you read the account, she already had plans where he was going. But she said the right thing to Isaac. So Isaac is now talking to Jacob and commanding him what to do. But the mother in the background was the one that really orchestrated the strategy. Everybody see that? If you want to. In fact, let's not just gloss over it. Why don't we just go through it? So the 27th chapter. Okay. Um, uh, the 27th chapter, somewhere near the end of the 27th chapter, right? I've got my papers mixed up here. If anybody's got it, they can jump in and read it. In the 27th chapter where she tells Jacob where she wants him to go. It's at the end of the 27th chapter. Somebody put it up in the notes, okay? Uh, so we'll read it off the notes. And it says... Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of these Hittite women like these, one of the women of the one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? So you can see Rebekah pleading to Isaac. And just before that, she had already said she was sending her son away to her brother. So she told Jacob what he was going to do. Then she goes to Isaac and sets it up. No, no, see how well this woman of God knew her husband. How well she knew how to get certain things done. Now, women of God, we know we can use that positively. We can use that negatively. We know that she's operating off of a prophecy God gave her before the children were even born. 
But you can see that she was the one that kind of orchestrated all of this. So that was a digression because I'm really talking about the Esau typology. So um, verse six of the 28th chapter. Now Esau had learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padam Aran to take a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother. Listen, everything is not written in plain language, but it's there to be caught. It says, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone down to Padam Haram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar, and the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. So Esau, in the midst of all this, was spiritually blinded by what was going on up until the point that Jacob's obedience revealed it. And how many of us are walking in a spiritually daft sense in some area of our life because we're overwhelmed and overconfident in our natural circumstances? So we become spiritually daft. Remember the rich young ruler who turned down apostleship to keep his money. He turned down apostleship to keep his money. How about the parable of the rich fool? who is daft about the fact that his life is about to be taken from him while he tears down his storehouses and builds bigger storehouses. Cursed is man who trusts in man and cursed is man who trusts in natural strength because this can tend to blind you of the spiritual realities that are there. So um, those were the verses that we were supposed to cover for today. I'm gonna let Pastor C, uh, speak her piece and Ernest and then we'll close. I'm going to pass it off to Ernest and I will go last because I don't want Ernest to get after my seconds after you said all of that. I want Ernest to talk and talk, speak his mind and then I get what he got left over and I speak my mind off of that. <laughs> Ernest, I got you. Amen. So I think uh, so I, I don't I don't have a lot, but I think, you know, we started off by saying, OK, this, this was predestined. And I think we can see now why the Lord was like, yeah, he's not going to get this blessing. We're going to go ahead and give this to um, Jacob. The fact that he went down to Ishmael or Ish went down and married an Ishmael like uh, wife. And now not only that, he already had wives, plural. Yeah. So he, yeah. he was just being greedy. Like his dad, like his dad wants to go, oh, yeah, go ahead, give me some food, man, so I can bless you. So it's very interesting that we we see that. Um, um, and that's that's really about it. I already said what I said about Jacob, the trickster, going to the ultimate trickster, getting getting yeah. yoked up. Um, we can talk about that next time. That's one of my favorite stories. And um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Isaac, uh, no, Abraham did his thing by picking Rebecca. He knew he knew exactly what he was doing. Cause she really, she really like, she's really the pillar behind this. She, she set the family straight. So we're very thankful for her and her relationship with the Lord so that she could see through and, 
and get us through this uh th that that particular generation because without her we wouldn't have made it <laughs> i like that <laughs> oh i'm not on mute i'm no. on mute no you're off mute pastor you're up <laughs> I... <laughs> you didn't tell me i wasn't on mute <laughs> lord y'all wrong both of y'all dead wrong you could have told me you could have put me back on mute apostle i saw that the trick stuff. <laughs> it was purely accidental it was purely well i just <laughs> well i just enjoy i enjoyed today man i enjoy i enjoyed all the revelation that the lord brought forth i enjoy rolling through these scriptures with y'all because when i say just just the revelation even even when um apostle talked about esau the esau typology and so the lord was revealing so much during the time of us just of just work you know spending this time together um in reference to esau in and of itself but i love the way that um, apostle placed it and he said you know these are different typologies and you may fit this typology um and so i just you know outside of that i just think that this this blessed me because in the midst of you know uh us us moderating i was learning new things and like i said there was something i had never even sat and picked on and ate off of that the apostle just threw out there and i was like oh that's some good scraps let me go ahead and chew on that for a minute i like that you know so that's all i have to say i'm thankful i'm thankful for everybody that joined i love y'all that's it praise the lord saints so um understand that um this is a college effort and we are expecting you saints to read the scriptures those of you who audited the class uh, realized that we were going from the 25th chapter of genesis to the 28th chapter um, you can inbox us at FCCCCI, so that's three C's, F-C-C-C-I dot D-C at gmail.com. Just put, I wish to enroll, and we will send you the welcome information. We'll send you the links so that you can catch up. The only thing we ask that you watch before you start attending classes, the orientation, everything else you can catch up with after the fact. Amen. Um, it's been a powerful session. Um, I learned a lot as well. I learned a lot from what was put in the comments. We want to thank Pastor Jennifer Britt for uh, supporting us with the comments. That's my wife. Amen. And we want to thank Ernest uh, for coming in. And Ernest has been doing a lot of supportive work for us, both technological and other supportive activity he has done for the ministry to keep us moving in the righteous direction of God. And Pastor C, and I want you saints to understand that these brothers and sisters that have come in in covenant partnership with us on this effort, their angels are here. The, 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 the Holy Spirit movement of their life is a, it's, it's a supernatural movement of a divine nature of God. And we're all critical to this, including yourself. There are revelations that were released here because you were on the line. Never sell your attendance short in fellowship. Just because you weren't on the B-Live does not mean that God didn't do something special because you were here. And so let's not look at this in the natural, but let's look at this in the supernatural. We've come together for fellowship to cover the Bible. We're going to go through the whole Bible in a year. You're going to at least be able to say you went through the whole Bible. If you matriculate the program, you'll get a nice diploma, um, which basically says you went through first century Christ Church International Divinity Colleges uh, Bible Institute training. Um, 
you're going to be blessed. And I see writing of the spirits and correcting and spiritual correction taking place. So that's beautiful. So it's not just for the knowledge or for some paper you could hang up on a wall, but it's also the, and it's mostly for the edification that's going to take place in your soul, which is going to help your marriages, which is going to help you with your parents, which is going to help you with your employer, which is going to help you with your neighbors, which is going to help you with your children, which is going to help you, period, okay, to get your spirit righted in the full constitution of Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor C to close us out in prayer, and then from then we'll release you. Praise the Lord. Father God, we just want to thank you. Lord God, we want to thank you for the revelation that you've given us in scripture. We want to thank you for your heart for your children. Lord God, that we wouldn't even understand who we are. We wouldn't even understand, like Apostle said, our own typology, Lord God, if you didn't give us examples in the Bible of people who've got it right and wrong, Lord God. Ways that we can look at ourselves as a mirror, like Ernest said, just looking in the mirror at ourselves, understanding the scriptures in a new way, Lord God, knowing that these are not only just your histories and your poetries and your prophecies but lord god that this is a mirror to sustain us in life as we come closer and closer to the glorification of, of of who we are in you and lord god i just thank you for your son jesus christ i thank you lord god for relationship i thank you that every time we come together that ego and pride is thrown away lord god and we just seek deeper relationship with you lord god letting you make the standard for your word lord god letting the scriptures speak for themselves lord god and coming to divine revelation based off of that not what we think not what we've learned in the past lord god but this fresh understanding, this fresh anointing, this fresh wave that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord God, this living water. Lord God, you said the scriptures are living and breathing, Lord God. And every time we come here, Lord God, to learn, Lord God, in this school setting, Lord God, your word breathes in us anew, breathes in us new revelation. Lord God, I also want to thank you for restoration, Lord God. I want to thank you for the restoration that you are placing over families during this time, Lord God. I want to thank you for the stillness that you are placing in our hearts, Lord God, helping us to see that you are truly God and you truly keep your promises. We thank you, Father. Lord God, I ask that you cast out the hardening of our hearts, Lord God. I ask that you begin to break everything on the inside of us, Lord God, that does not give glory to you, Father. Break it, Father, right now. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord God, every attack of the enemy, Lord God, there are people that are feeling bodily pain right now, Lord God. I ask that you remove the pain right now, Lord God. I ask for the people whose pain is not removed that you get the glory, Lord God, that they understand that in this painful season, Lord God, that you are still a sovereign God who loves them, Lord God, and will sustain them, Lord God, that your grace is sufficient for them, for them right now, Lord God. But I ask for everyone that is supposed to be healed, that healing takes place right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, for your miracle signs and wonders. But Lord God, we thank you most of all for your word that the kingdom of God is at hand, that you are here, that salvation is here, Lord God. And if we never see a miracle, if we never see a sign, if we never see a wonder that we have you, Lord Jesus, we have salvation, we have what you came for. But we also ask that your glory follows your children. Your glory follows your sons and your daughters that we are filled with your Holy Spirit and produce great fruit. 
We ask for an increase that you sustain, not that we sustain, Lord God. And we ask that every time we get confused, every time that we get in our own way, Lord God, that we fall deeply and madly and back in love with you. That your love correct us. Lord God, let us not prophesy that we forget love. Let us not preach so much that we forget love. Let us not teach so much that we forget love. Let us not take favor in any gifts over the love. And I'm not talking about a love that, that covers sin and makes excuses for sin. I'm talking about a love that exposes sin yet covers you until you come to the realization of Jesus Christ and transformation. That type of covering is what we need, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen, saints. I just wanted to, you know, that we are grateful for each one of you that's been here today. Um, I'm just going to put up these last uh, comments here. Um, praise the Lord. And um, I just want each and every one of you to just remain blessed in the Lord until we get back together again. We are going to be meeting again on Wednesday on Zoom. Again, if you would like to participate in the school, that's the email address. And you just let us know. We'll send you the Zoom connection. Everything is perfectly free. Praise God. Good night. And we look forward to 12 o'clock tonight. 12 o'clock tonight. We got midnight prayer with the church Philly. God bless you all. And Pastor Jen is going to be on tonight. So we'll see y'all there. <laughs> Amen.